great guests, great stories, great listening. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Thanks for joining us this morning. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone here on Voice America Women's Network, soon to be and very soon to be on Voice America, the flagship flagship station, which is going to be next Wednesday. Folks, don't forget, you can hear us live Next Wednesday, whatever that date happens to be, same time, 10 o'clock in the morning, Eastern Time, 7 o'clock Pacific Time, the Catherine Zock Show, uh, just uh, just one day uh, sooner than usual. So anyway, and you can always download our show uh, 24-7. So I'm Catherine Zox, and my co-host is Lauren Deller. How are you this morning, Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. I am well. Good. I'm glad you're here because I was. I thought there was a little bit of a mix-up, maybe which day we were switching, and I got panicky, so I called Ruben, our board op, this morning at uh, probably four o'clock in the morning his time. <laughs> Not really. We're going on today, right? We're going on Thursdays, and don't forget, he said, yeah, we're all set to go. Anyway, we're good to go, and then next week we're on Wednesdays, Voice America Women's Network, the Catherine Zock Show with Lauren Beller. So. Did you? I, I don't even want to bring this up, but I can't. I'm compelled to, like everybody else. I saw Sarah Palin on all the major news networks. I saw her last night on Larry King. Did you see her, Lauren? I saw bits and pieces. I was not glued to it like I was two weeks ago. So I, got, was, I got bits and pieces. I got well, the gist of what she was up to this, yesterday. Well, you got the gist of what she was up to. I have to say, I listened to her. I listened to the entire half hour of Larry King. I started laughing. Barry and I, my boyfriend Barry and I, we were hysterical laughing. It's hard I mean, not to be. I don't. I don't know how she can. I don't know how people are taking her seriously at this point. But I think she's serious about being something in 2012. She think she is serious. Think you don't have to think about that. She is serious. Oh my! But yeah. he asked her a question. She just ran off at the mouth, and she kept going and she going. Doesn't, yeah, she doesn't make any. She makes sense, but she's not. Savvy, you know, it's not like she's this. And compared to Barack Obama, it's a night and day. And I'm not sure how she thinks she can even function in four years compared to him. Well, I want to say to her, I don't think that should she should. I mean, in terms of a political person, even be compared to him in any way. And I but, listen to her, and she's rambling and rambling. I don't even understand what she's saying. Besides <laughs> the fact, this seems to me there's no substance. But no uh, substance, no substance, and no no ability to understand, and even seem like she wants to. I think this is a good thing, though, because I think she'll play herself out. There's a place for her in the Republican Party, no question. But at the same time, she keeps doing this, and she's on every. Sto- she's going to be on Chris Matthews tonight on Hardball. So if any of you want to listen to that, go ahead. But I want to uh, know what you think. What is her place in any party? Like, what what's her value? What does she bring to the table? Well, as, uh, did you did you see what um, Bill Maher's new, new movie? <laughs> How do you pronounce that? Re- 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 not re- religiosity, but religion. Uh, I know what you're talking about, um, religion. um, I have not seen it. No, I have not seen it. I can't remember the name of it. It's very funny. And in one of the, you know, it's all about religion, and he pokes fun at religion, and it's a humorous, humorous film. And he, you know, Bill Maher does it as anybody. Like only he can. Like only he can do it. He's like incredible. Every religion. Christians, Jews, Buddhists, Hindu. I mean, he goes, he does everybody, so you don't have to feel Because you're probably an education in and of itself. Yeah, you don't have to feel offended. But at one point he interviews a senator from one of the southern states, and he's like, 
you know, who's one of these kind of, I don't know if he's a born again, but he's one of these very religious persons, and he's talking about all this religious stuff, and Bill Maher really puts him into a corner when it has to when talking about the Bible. And somehow the guy looks at it and he says, how could you believe this? Is You know, maybe it's creationism, I don't know. And the guy says, well, you know, you don't have to be that, what did, he didn't, this isn't, I'm not quoting him, but the senator that he's talking to in the film, Bill Maher, the senator says, well, you, know, you don't have to be that smart to be a senator. And they, they, that's where she's headed to be a it's one, senator. One thing to be a senator, another thing to be the leader of the most powerful uh, country in the world. Those are two different things. So. <laughs> yeah, leadership and it's very different. It's more focused, I think. You know, being in the Senate, it's very focused. You, it's a job to be done, but that's different than being. But I do president. think it exposes you from a government. I was thinking about it yesterday that a, a person that runs a state, a governor, a person that's a governor that runs a state, really gets does not get involved in any way with international affairs. It's very, it's it's a slice of the pie, one fiftieth of the pie. Probably yeah. even smaller than that. So going into being a senator is a, is a great step for starting to open up your world into the international affairs of what's happening in our entire in the entire big picture. This bothers me, Lauren. Tell, talk to me about this. What do you think? They keep talking about the people who like Sarah Palin, how she can learn, and now she has to go back and she has to study and maybe even take a Berlitz course in international relations. But my question is, by the time you're 44 years old, if you don't have it and you're not a G, you know, you don't have that kind of substance, then learning this stuff is almost like uh, taking a course in college. And that, that doesn't really uh, make you somebody who is this, you know, genius or has the ability to govern the United States and interact with the rest of the world in a, in a, in a way that, that, that we need right now in this time in history. It, it just seems like it's kind of a, doing it as a, like, studying for a play. There's no substance in it. There's no substance. I actually think of it this way, in my opinion. It's actually a bigger issue than that. I don't think that we create leaders. I think that we choose to become a leader consciously. Every cell in our being needs to be wanting to become a leader. That doesn't, I'm not speaking properly. In other words, you can't have her read a book on leadership or read a book on international affairs and have her become all of a sudden qualified for the job. It's Leadership is a state of mind. It's a desire. It's it's not something that you you can master by rubbing shoulders with the right person. So, in other words, leadership is something that you're you're born with. It has to be nurtured. I mean, you can snuff out the flame if in, a, in the in a, an environment that's not good for you. Which brings up, Lauren, there's this book I think I want to recommend. I haven't gone through each one of the quizzes, but you bring up a good point. It's called The Big Book of Personality Tests for Women, Robin Weston. The Big Book of Personality Tests for Women. And she's uh, actually an uh, an Emmy Award-winning daytime television writer. We're going to have her on the show, not today, but you know, sometime in the future, hopefully. She writes for Cosmopolitan, Mademoiselle, a lot of the women's magazines, right? But it's all these quizzes. Women like to take quizzes and uh, to find out, you know, what we're suited for in life, love, and work, and all those kinds of things, right? So you bring up the issue, and I'm glad you did, of uh, being a leader. Well, she's got one quiz called "Can You Handle Power." And you answer all these questions and then you tally up the answers and you get a score of whether or not you can handle power, whether you are someone who can handle power, which kind of fits into to, to what you're saying. Want to take the quiz? I want to take it. Let's do it. All right. Can you handle power? Okay, and I have to give her credit again. This is Robin Weston. She's the author of the book. We're going to try and get her on the show. The Big Book of Personality Tests for Women. So I thought this one was very appropriate. Okay, so... Um, here's the overriding question. Do you delegate authority with kid gloves or with army boots? 
take this test and find out how you fare sitting in the director's chair. I love this. This is number one. So oh. is it is it either or? No, I'm going to give you an A, B, and C, and you Got have it. to okay. be true. You have to be truthful. You are a truthful person. Okay. Is there any other way? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there are lots of other ways. Browsing through the bookstore, you most are, you are most likely to reach for a paperback titled, and this is A, A Lover's Guide to Long-Term Lust. That's for me. I don't think I'm going to have to do with power, but B, Recipes for 70 Sensational Sweets and Treats, or C, Making Your Way to the Top Without Falling Off the Ladder of Success. Hmm. Well, I you, probably I mean, would do... I would probably do A or C. (laughs) (laughs) You're hedging your bets, my dear, because you think C is the most obvious answer, and that's why you don't want to answer it. Well, would I pick that up? You know, I might have picked that book up 10 years ago, but I don't think I'd pick it up today. Because you're already successful. Well, yeah, and I've already picked that book up. So now you want to long-term lust. Well, yeah, that's I, true. Long-term lust when you're 42 years old. You're right in that trying to <laughs> figure out how you're going to get some long-term lust. <laughs> exactly. That would be nice. My husband's gone all the time. Long-term right. lust might be good. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, uh, well, we can get into that one. Anyway, okay, so you do the long I do the long-term lust also, actually. Um, all right, number two, on average, how much time do you spend in bed daily? A, no more than six hours, you're up with the rising sun and bounce out of bed like a bunny rabbit, or B, you hate to admit it, but about ten hours, you love to cuddle under the covers. I hate cuddling. I'm not a cuddler. (laughs) I find that I am not a cuddler. I'm more like a man. And I was, seriously, I'm not a cuddler. Are you a cuddler? I I am a cuddler. I am, absolutely. Well, you and I could never be together. <laughs> or That's true. <laughs> oh, poor Barry. Yeah, I know. It's true. I, I'm not a cuddler. I always, it, but anyway, all right, so you're a cuddler. Um, the C, well, I forgot the question. Was, okay. How many hours do you spend in bed? Six, ten, or? Cuddling, about ten hours. You hate to, oh, ten hours, and then you love to cuddle under the covers. C, about eight hours, you need time to renew, but you're not a sleep hound. I'm C at 100%. Yeah, I'm C too. Number three, and uh, we are talking about can you handle power. This is a quiz to find out, ladies, whether you can handle power. We probably won't be able to get through the whole thing, but you can go out and buy the book and finish it. When you're, but think about the answers to these questions. When you were in grade school, you ran for a cutest girl in school. I didn't run for it, but I was the cutest girl in school. <laughs> I thought I was. I had a little bit of that Sarah Palin. No, maybe nobody else did, but who cares? Be class president. See your life. Class bullies were always at your heels. Your li- oh, run for your life. Yeah, run for your I life. I don't fit any of those. No, I don't either. Although I was a princess, probably that's cutest girl in school kind of thing, right? You know, you had to be on the court, the Queen's Court, and you got crowned at Valentine's oh, I Day. I never did that. No, that yeah, was I not did. Me. I didn't fit into that. I couldn't be a queen, but I, I, def, I was on the court. I was uh, what are you, a princess. Uh, so, cutest girl in school. Number four, I guess I'm not going to be able to do this power thing. Your wardrobe consists mainly of simple suits, silk shirts, basic pumps. Uh, that's A. B, slinky sheets, baby doll dresses, chunky jewelry and high-heeled shoes. Or C, sporty sweats, cotton cardigans, and comfy canvas sneakers. I have a little bit of each of those categories. 
I do too, although I never, never, never wore a baby doll dress. I, what, what is a baby doll dress? Actually, I hate baby doll dresses. What those is are it? those things that I think those are those things that they sort of that the waist is really high, like right under your boobs, and then it's flare, it's more flary around your stomach, and I think those are the ugliest things ever. They also make you look pregnant. They do. Why would and, you want to wear that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I couldn't wait to get out of that stage. Once you have <laughs> been pregnant three times, you just really, and a ra- I would never wear another wraparound skirt, and I would never wear one of those, that baby doll thing that you're describing. I, I don't and like it, that at all. I would never spend a penny. You couldn't pay me to wear it. Well, we've been answering, can you handle power? We've got a couple minutes left, so I want to give like a uh, teaser for my next guest because we get a great, great guest coming on next. Anyway, this book, if you want to know not just about whether you're powerful, but whether you could you marry for money, are you in the right job, the big book of personality tests for women, Robin Weston. Yeah, and you can go through all the, actually, it's a pretty thick book. It's going to take you a while to answer the questions. But, Lauren, coming up, this is like an amazing father and son uh, duo, and they are the author of I Am Potential. I Am Potential, Eight Lessons on Living, Loving, and Reaching Your Dreams. And I don't want to get the two names mixed up, but son is Patrick Henry Hughes. I love that name, Patrick Henry. That is a good name. Yeah, and uh, dad is Patrick, I've got these down, Patrick John. So anyway, uh, they're coming up in the next half hour. You're listening to Voice America Women's Network. And I'm Catherine Zox with Lauren Deller. I'm your social worker with the microphone. Don't go away, folks. We'll be back in a minute. beat you over the head with our opinion and we listen to yours the new face of talk radio voice america women's radio network if you've tried everything on the market and can't seem to get the radiant results you want from your skincare routine it's time you stop shopping and start listening skin health today will help you take charge and start making smart choices for a lifetime of radiant skin and positive self-image join host celeste hilling and her esteemed panel of experts every wednesday at 4 p.m pacific time 7 p.m eastern time for skin health today on the voice america health and wellness channel feeling overworked overwhelmed do you feel like you could use a getaway right about now have we got a show for you it's called de-stress radio and this show will help you take control of the stress in your life join hosts robin siegel and marin vertok every week they'll motivate you to attain balance in both your personal and professional life you'll want to share each episode with those important to you listen for de-stress radio with robin and marin every wednesday at noon pacific time 3 p.m eastern on the voice america health and wellness network Holistic health and well-being covers many facets, including stress, time management, weight loss, cardiovascular training, and aging. And that's just to name a few. Your life without limits will help to sort it all out for you. Join host Joe Sardi and the top minds in holistic health and well-being for an educational and entertaining hour. Listen for Your Life Without Limits. Heard every Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. 
talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone and with my co-host, Lauren Beller. Uh, it made a mistake. Our first guest is, I had our second guest, our second guest is our first guest, but she's our first guest and I want to introduce her because this is really exciting stuff, especially Lauren since you have a little girl real important for you. But joining us this morning is Addie Schwartz, CEO and founder of Between, Between Productions and the Beacon Street Girls. Now I just want to give this intro. It's no secret that reading is beneficial. We all know that. But can it help kids lose weight? In the first study to look at the impact of literature on obese adolescents, researchers at Duke Children's Hospital discovered that reading the right type of novel may make a difference, and the right type of novel is one of Addie Schwartz's novels. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Addie. Oh, hi, Catherine. Thanks for having me. Yes, also graduate of Stanford University, an MBA at the Kellogg School, Northwestern University. Yes, I've been busy. (laughs) (laughs) You have been busy. Okay, very cool. So tell us about this. Now, uh, you know, the overview, I guess, is that, uh, you know, you have these series of books, which I want you to talk about, but in particular, one of your books was uh, used as in a research study at Duke University. How did they use it? What did they do? And what are we talking about in terms of little girls, tweens, tweens, uh, losing weight, nine ages, nine to 13, right? Well, it's really exciting. It's really exciting. I actually am a mom, and I have two daughters, 13 and 17, and I came up with this idea when my older daughter was nine and a half, because I felt that there was a real need to have media that they were entertained by that actually could positively impact them versus negatively impact them. So I set about creating fiction and stories that through these seventh grade characters could identify with and, you know, and actually offer healthy role models and also teach messages through experts. So we partner with experts and we deal with different topics. And one of the topics that Lake Rescue, the book that was studied by Duke University, um, is all about is the seventh grade trip to the, you know, class trip out of outdoors. And uh, amidst all the ghosts and the funny things that happen and getting lost and the trust exercises, there's one girl, Chelsea Briggs, who is borderline um, at risk of childhood obesity uh, with type 2 diabetes. And she has to wrestle through her peers making fun of her, her trying to find her own space in her own uh, her own class, and trying to come up with, you know, how to make herself feel better about herself with her self-esteem. So we partnered with five experts from around the country. And, it's you know, it's a hard thing to write a good story. It's even harder to write a good story where experts actually give you advice to help you think about modeling the behaviors and the storyline to impact what the reader is going to see. So it's difficult to write a story like that for, well, first of all, to be appealing to girls from that age group, 9 to 13, and then you've got the, you don't want technical stuff in there, but you want to, is that what you're saying? That's what makes it. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I think that, you know, kids don't want to read anything that's good for them. You know, it's that famous Mikey, Mikey Life Cereal commercial, you know, don't tell Mikey it's good for him because then he won't eat it, you know. So imagine if you could write an action-packed adventure all about a class trip um, and then it's filled with, you know, height, lost hikers, romance, outward bound style adventures. But at the same time, embedded in the story are important messages about body image, nutrition, and health so that girls can be entertained as well as take away, um, you know, it, in, 
interesting facts about lifestyle, healthy lifestyle, nutrition, exercise, and also self-esteem, which through this character, Chelsea, Chelsea Briggs, who, you know, when she's a, um, in first grade on, they call her Chelsea Big, um, you, you have empathy for her and you understand more about what she's dealing with. At the same time, she herself has a, um, an epiphany where she understands and self-realizes that she needs to change her her, her ways. Would you say, Addie, that this is kind of like a modern day and I'm dating myself, Nancy Drew? Sure, sure, um, absolutely. I mean, the series is now, you know, 18 books. <laughs> so, and they're, they're, you know, found in every major bookstore in North America. So, um, you know. Mention the series one more time because I always, you know, people come and go, they listen, okay. they have, yeah. Okay, it's called The Beacon Street Girls and there are you know, 14 Beacon Street Girl number books, and then there are four adventures that follow the adventures of each character. But, you know, what makes Lake Rescue, um, I think, unique um, is that it it tells this fantastic story about what happens in seventh grade, you know, when you maybe are going away for the first time with your school for a few days and some of the issues you find. And then through that experience and through that story, you really understand more about, you know, what happens to one character and um how she can make changes in her own life. Addie, tell us about, okay, so now this book, it's, it's an important book, obviously, because you're talking about Duke University, major university that deals with uh, obesity not only in uh, teens but also in adults. So they decided to take your book and do what with? So they actually did a study, and they had girls that were all uh, all the same age range. I believe it was 11 or 12. They all were at high risk of um, childhood obesity, and they all were coming to the healthy, the Duke Healthy Lifestyles program um, anyway. And then they offered each participant the opportunity to either take a book or not. And they actually were able to take um, some, some chose no book. Some chose um, one of our other books, our ventures, Charlotte in Paris, which has no issue related to it. It's just more fun about Charlotte going back to visit her friend and find her old cat um, in Paris. And then um, the Lake Rescue book. So then kids actually self-selected, and then they studied them six months later to see sort of what was going on with their um, eating habits, with their um, nutrition, what their weight was. And, they, and actually the girls that read Lake Rescue lost weight statistically. It was statistically significant. And, you know, it was a smaller study, um, the first of its kind. They never anticipated they would find this. And now there's a lot of interest in doing other studies that are across, you know, different age ranges. Uh, age ranges, and also, you know, more more intensive understanding of sort of what impacted that. But, you know, there's not enough kids that read anyway, and what is so amazing about this study is that so many of the solutions for childhood obesity are invasive, and some kids are on drugs from the age of seven on, and they're on, going to be on them for their whole life. So yeah, and that, that's part of our culture, which I, from a personal point of view or from a social work point of view, whatever it is, I think that's a really not the, that should be the last resort in my book. In my book, I think they should read your book. But uh, you know, this putting kids on drugs immediately for whatever kinds of problems, particularly obesity problems, like you say. But talk, I mean, apparently their BMI, body mass index, is this true, Addie? Actually, the percentile range went down after reading your book. Yeah, and why that's important is that kids are growing, and um, so they're getting taller or not taller. So the fact that it actually went down is quite significant. Um, this is something that, you know, everyone has to stand up and take, take notice of. And if reading, and if reading, um, you know, with, in a, in a way where actually it's imparting 
impact on behaviors can be can happen, then it should hold true for many other issues. And frankly, we have done many other issues. We've dealt with bullying and cyberbullying. We have dealt with um, divorce. We have dealt with underage drinking. We've dealt with lots of these issues that um, – that and we've dealt with autism. We have one character who has a sister who's autistic, and one character, one of our main characters, is dyslexic. We have heard anecdotally over the years about how, from parents and kids themselves on our website, uh, BeaconStreetGirls.com, that that you can um, that they've actually felt better about themselves because they've read about a popular character in mass media that is dealing with the same issue that they have. And have you dealt with sex and drugs as well? I assume you have. Well, you know, our target is up to age 13, and we start at age 9. So we've dealt with boys and some of those issues about what's safe and not safe around that. We haven't dealt with sex because, um, so to speak, so straightforwardly. Because, first of all, there are other places to do that. And, and secondly, um, some 9-year-olds, parents wouldn't feel so comfortable if we were trying to preach to the choir about about that. Yeah. So, Which, in a way, it's kind of unfortunate because, as I understand it, statistically, kids are, you know, involved in sex, oral sex in middle school, which is, you know, that age group, actually, isn't it? 12 to, well, 12 to 14. You know, I want to just step back a minute because, Addy, you said, I mean, just reading the right kind of book, like your books, and having an impact on, on these young, young girls in a, in a positive way, in this case with this new book, uh, Lake Rescue with Obesity, uh, aren't there two parts to the problem? Because I want you to talk about this. First, you got to get kids, and you mentioned this briefly, to read, number one, and then to read the right book. So it's kind of like a two-part problem. How do you get them to read instead of watch TV and do all the other stuff and go to the mall and shop and actually sit down and read, number one? Well, I think that you, you, you are exactly right, you know, and, and the statistics show that less and less kids are reading today, um, and they're just in front of different kinds of screens, whether it be video screens, computer screens, iPods, um, it's, you know, they're just sort of always in front of a different screen. Um, I feel it's so important to sort of reach the child wherever they are. And we've actually invested a lot of energy and effort in our website where some of those other issues you were mentioning earlier are dealt with much more, um, you know, forthright. You know, we've had girls on our website, BeaconStreetGirls.com, where they're talking about their period. When do you get your period? What is it like? I feel embarrassed about it. I want to get it. You know, things like that. So, um, so girls are on the Internet. So, you know, we have the Healthy You section, which is the section in the back of Lake Rescue, on the Internet. You can read all about Chelsea Briggs. You can friend Chelsea Briggs. You can, Briggs, you can make her part of your, your, your friend list in your, on your web presence. Um, so reading is, is, is critical. And if you can get more kids to read because they like to read and they like the material, I mean, what? What 10, 11, 12-year-old isn't going to want to read about junior high, isn't going to want to read about getting caught in the art room with the cutest boy at school, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and how it all gets framed in a bad yeah. situation that it looks like she's stealing the boyfriend, you know. And, and who's not going to read about being the new kid? I mean, book one, Worst Enemy's Best Friends, is all about, you know, Charlotte moving back to the America and to become um, a new seventh grader. And she's got to sort of figure out how she's going to survive seventh grade with no friends with an out with with clothes that don't fit because she's been overseas for many years with her dad, and um, you know what everybody's the proverbial new kid every year. You know, come September you're the new kid. Yeah. And so and so kind of kind of framing these issues of adolescence 
in a world that's fun and entertaining that's all about junior high and then offering that junior high online in a virtual way where you get your own locker, you friend other friends, you, you know, um, talk about different issues, you can join the arts and crafts club, the music club, the drama club and learn about different people. You can um, instantly get to experts in different areas to ask them questions about, you know, how you feel about yourself and body image and things like that. And so, this is so cool. I think you were doing such a great thing, and I just we have like a minute left, but just kind of like you know, there are so many people out there talking about the internet and the bad stuff, and they, but you are taking the internet and using it in the ultimate, most positive way for these teenage girls. Boy, I wish I, I mean, truly, if I had that kind of access to information in middle school, I would have done it. I mean, it, well, it is. Yeah, and what's so exciting is too is that girls are coming to the internet first sometimes, and then they're going, oh my god, I want to read about these characters. And so why can't the Internet be the place that then people then say, okay, I want to read, and then girls that are reading want to go, okay, I want to go to the Internet. And then the offline and the online can really fuel each other. And, you know, we're not ignoring the fact that girls don't want to be online, but they do. And I think that the power of the media is so strong, and it can be negative or positive. And there's got to be room in the society for positive media. And you are doing it positive. I want to mention the book because we're going to get five seconds. Addie Schwartz, CEO and founder Between Productions and the Beacon Street Girls. You can go to that website. Very cool. Thanks so much for being on the show this morning. Thank you so much, Catherine. It was a delight. Thanks, Addie. We're going to take a break, Lauren Beller and I, and we'll be back in a minute. radio that informs, entertains, and enlightens you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Today's professional woman is confronted by outrageous advertising and cultural pressures that assume how a woman should look and behave. The show Women, Food, Sex, and Power, Rekindling Your Fire, will finally challenge these seriously flawed assumptions and discuss daring alternatives. Join host Bethany Gagne for an authentic reflection of the modern woman every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Hey, y'all. This is Stephen Cochran. As a country artist, I have traveled around this great country of ours, often meeting our brave men and women in uniform. And as a Marine and veteran of both the Iraq and Afghan conflict, I know how important it is to thank our troops who defend our freedom each and every day. One of the best ways to thank them is to give their children and spouses the gift of education. Scholarships for two years, four years, and vocational school. This is exactly what a national charity, Thanks USA, does. Please go to their website, www.thanksusa.org, to make a generous donation to the Thanks USA Scholarship Fund for the families of the troops, and I thank you. Finally, radio that was made just for you. Voice America Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us this morning. I'm Catherine Zox. And uh, joining us this morning, Catherine Zox and Lauren. I, was, I, I got... Lauren Beller Blake. I'm going to add the Blake to the end. Lauren Beller Blake. Because every time Lauren, I go online. Lauren's my co-host, and I look it up, and you're out there as Lauren Beller Blake, except on the show. 
Oh, well, it's okay. Either way works for me. Oh, Addie Schwartz, what a great idea. I mean, you know, the one thing, when you have information about all that stuff for women and, you know, like getting your period when you're 12 and, you know, all that, you know, you're fat and you have breasts, half breasts, whole, you know, they're not half whole, they're all those issues, <laughs> your stomach sticking out, nothing like goes together amongst all the other stuff they have to deal with, like today, which is different than when we were in school. But anyway, um, being able to go to the net, and then you don't have to actually talk to anybody, so you don't have to have that embarrassment factor, which is really good. I just think it's great. It's yeah. great. I would have loved it. Yeah. I would have well, been on it all the time. Yeah, so would I. Well, our next guest is really incredible. Maybe you saw them on the Today Show. I don't know, but uh, Meredith Vieira interviewed father and son. Patrick Henry Hughes, love that name, Patrick Henry, Henry, was born with a rare genetic disorder that left him without eyes and physically disabled, but he was also blessed with exceptional musical talent, able to play the piano as a toddler, if you can believe that. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And now at age 19, a nationally known pianist, singer and trumpeter who has performed at the Grand Ole Opry, the Kennedy Center. Currently, he's a member of his college marching band. My God, what a resume. Playing while his devoted father pushes him in his wheelchair with determined optimism and courage. Hughes has made I Am Potential his mantra and defied the impossible at every turn. The full title of the book is I Am Potential, Eight Lessons on Living, Loving, and Reaching Your Dreams. And we have both Son and dad on, Patrick Henry and Patrick John. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Good morning, Catherine and Lauren. It's great to be on your show this morning. Thank you. I saw you guys on the Today Show. I mean, it's just so amazing. What a story. And now you're going to share the story with all of us. So, all right. What, what, talk, talk to us about the book. Um, tell us about the lessons that you, you know, you're going to share with us in the book. Well, you know, they're... Um... As the title says, Eight Lessons on Living, Loving, and Reaching Your Dreams. And uh, they're, they're hopefully uh, we, we came up with these lessons in the hope that, uh, you know, whether you read the book 30 years ago or are reading it 30 years from now, those lessons will still be useful. And uh, their objective is, you know, to let people know that it doesn't matter what kind of problems you might face on a day-to-day basis or what kind of obstacles you might have to conquer if you set your mind to achieve a goal, then you can do it. But, Patrick, I always think about it. I mean, you are this incredible talent. You know, do people look at your book and say, well, but look at you. I mean, here you are uh, playing music You're at, at, as a toddler, and um, so you, all, you had all of these wonderful strengths. I mean, yes, you had your disabilities, but, my God, look at all the other strengths you had. But, uh, you know, and, of course, and also your dad, the relationship between the two of you, how, is that, how did that impact on your ability to accomplish what you have accomplished in this really short time? Uh, well, my relationship with Dad has always been very strong ever since I was little. You know, my dad was my very first piano teacher. So when I was little, there were times where I didn't just want to play piano, but I wanted to play piano with Dad. And uh, playing piano with Dad was lots of fun. We had a great time together, and I knew that, uh, you know, when, when we did this, it was lots of fun and that I would be able to do anything that I set my mind to. Patrick, did you ever get frustrated and, you know, at some point and feel, oh, my gosh, you know, this is, I mean, t- talk about some of your frustrations. Well, you know, there are days, I'm like anyone, I have days where, you know, maybe I don't want to get up and go to classes or it's been a long day already and I don't want to have to endure marching band rehearsal or what have you, but all I have to do there is just count my blessings and think of, 
uh, not only the, the, the big things, so to speak, that I have that are absolutely wonderful, but even the small things, you know, a good, a good roof over my head, good food on the table, a nice bed to sleep in. So you've had the support, which is always a plus, naturally positive, of, you know, a family. And, and as I understand it, what, you have two brothers? Yes, two younger brothers. All right, well, so you're a fantastic role model for them, or maybe you make it difficult for them because they have to live up to your, you know, all of that you've accomplished. But, um, Dad, Patrick John, right? Yes, Catherine. Okay, so talk to us about, you know, when Patrick Henry was born, I mean, here you, you know, what happened? I mean, you know, it must have been, at, you know, at first difficult wondering how you were going to, as a family, um, handle this new baby. It was devastating. You know, there, nothing short of devastating. My wife had... A picture-perfect pregnancy, great prenatal care. She did, she did everything she was supposed to do, and we were expecting a healthy baby boy. And then, you know, my son is born, and we find out, you know, that night in the delivery room that Patrick doesn't have eyes and, and that his, his arms and legs are truncated and, and he won't be, probably will never be able to walk and who knows what sort of movement he'll have out of his arms. And, and it was it was nothing short of devastating for my wife and I, but... You know, after a couple or three weeks of, you know, kind of splashing around in the pity pool and trying to, to get our feet back on the ground, as, you know, because all the, obviously all the dreams and the lives we planned were now changed. Everything was going to be different, and we didn't know in what way. So, uh, you know, very scary, and, and, but we just kind of, we said, okay, this is what we've got, and, and by golly, we had planned on giving this baby, you know, a full life and doing all these wonderful things for him, and we're going to still do all those things, and we're going to encourage him. We're going to find out. You know, of course, we're going to learn what what he is not going to be able to do because you know the, the doctors were telling us every day what what Patrick wouldn't be able to do. But we're going to find out what Patrick can do. And we're well, going to I want to stop you there because from things. a social work, I'm interested in that because I think doctors do tend to do that. They think they have to be quote honest with you, and they why do they tell you what you can't do rather than perhaps tell you what you can do? Because I think that's really important, you know, especially parents who will find themselves in your position. Right. Well, we we hold no we hold no. Uh, no fault or animosity or anything like that with with the doctors that were involved in Patrick's birth. They, you know, we wanted to know as much as we could. And of course, when babies are that young, and there's so many tests that you have to go through, and and you have to wait so long to see how things progress, and and how Patrick was going to develop cognitively, we didn't know that. And and so there was a lot of waiting. And my wife and I wanted to know everything that we that we could. It was you know it was like being kicked in the stomach, uh, you know, right out of the gate. But that's just you know we just had to take those blows and and move on and. So, you know, it, it, Patrick was four and a half or five months old, and I laid him on top of the piano. And, be, and I always thought I would bond with my son through sports. But I laid Patrick on top of the piano one day when he was crying and started playing, and he got quiet immediately. And when he was just nine months old, his motor functions were such that he was sitting up well on his own. And I set him in a high chair that fit perfectly at the piano and 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 played a few notes on the piano. And Patrick, he didn't try to just make noise the way a lot of little little kids do at the piano. He listened to the notes I played and found those notes and played them back to me in succession. Nine months old, I was blown away. Incredible. At a year old, I could play I could play a note three, four, or five times, and at one year old, Patrick could play that note back to me the same number of times. So, oh my so I knew he had a gift. And and as a new dad that was wondering how I was going to bond with my son, well, here it was. You know, it was delivered to me on a platter. I think uh, you said something me. important, though. Um, uh, 
Patrick, you, you, you said that, you know, when your son was born, when Patrick Henry was born, you had expectations, I guess you say sports, but those were your expectations, those were your interests, your passion, and kind of, and I think parents tend to do that and want to, you know, have the kids do the same thing as they do, and it's not necessarily what they're good at or what they want to do. I think that's an important point. Right, I think to, Patrick, Patrick made me a, a much better father for, not only for, for Patrick Henry, but for my, my two younger sons as well, because, he taught me at, a, at an early age that, you know, I wasn't going to, as they say, vicariously live my dreams through my children. I was going to have to find out what, what Patrick's abilities and dreams were and then go that road. So uh, my younger two sons, I don't know if they'd say it made me a better dad or not. but <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I have three boys, too. I'm in the same position as you. I have three boys, so I understand. You know, on any given day, I can be the best mom, and on another day, I can be the worst, <laughs> right? So Absolutely. We just have to go with that, yeah. Yes. So I want to ask Patrick, because um, you know, it, I mean, here you are, a musician. I also have a son who's a musician, so I just think I think music is just fantastic. It's, it's but um, you know, what was the toughest thing for you, um, you know, in the beginning for you to overcome? Uh, I say overcome, but uh, you know, you, I say overcome disabilities, but you're an exceptional person, so I don't even like to say that. But uh, some of the but some of the tough stuff, Patrick, because people like to hear that. They want to know you're an inspiration. Obviously, not just from writing the book, but we want to hear it from you. You know, from your mouth. Probably one of my most difficult challenges is my two younger brothers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's get serious yeah. here. I think uh, one of the most difficult challenges was uh, when I first joined the University of Louisville marching band, because I had actually been in the marching band in high school because I wanted to be in the concert band that met regularly, regularly for classes, but in order to do that, I had to be a member of the marching band and the pep band. And I but know it, that well. Same pro- go ahead. Yeah, I had a son with the same same issue. Go ahead. Go. But in high school, in marching band, all I did was I sat on the sidelines and played my instrument, and I kind of had that feeling that uh, maybe that's what college marching band was going to be like. You know, I'd just sit on the sidelines. There'd probably be rehearsals I'd be excused from because all the band's going to do is march. But I was kind of in for a bit of a rude awakening when I found I was going to join the the formations because uh, the wheels that are on my wheelchair now are uh, little wheels that are mainly good just for concrete and and uh, tile and asphalt and surfaces like that. They don't work well on grass and turf. Uh, a backward march was okay because the back wheels would just, uh, they'd go first and they're bigger, but the, when we went forward or turned right or turned left, those front wheels would dig into the turf and uh, stop the wheelchair cold. And we were going home trying out, as I like to put it, solution after failed solution to get this <laughs> wheelchair to to move around on this field. And uh, my dad had had some, uh, we call them turf tires from an old wagon uh, in, that we had in our garage. And uh, he'd put them on the chair, but they wouldn't pivot. They wouldn't turn, but finally we... Uh, uh, a friend of ours, a good friend of ours, came by and was able to fix the chair to uh, adapt these turf tires and make them turn easier. So now marching band is lots of fun. Glad you brought that up because people, you know, very often, and many of us don't think about this, but there are just 
technical, like you say, logistical problems, like with the wheelchair. I mean, you know, you don't think about that. So even though you can get out there and do it, you got to have the technology to be able to do it. We have about a minute left. It has been great talking to both of you. I want to just, uh, you know, make sure that listeners know the book, I Am Potential, Eight Lessons on Living, Loving, and Reaching Your Dreams. Patrick Henry Hughes and his dad, Patrick John Hughes, uh, website, guys, that we can go to and, and get more information? Uh, for more information about me, you can log on to my website, patrickhenryhughes.com, or for information about the book, uh, go on to, their, to the book's website, iampotentialbook.com. Thanks so much for being on the show this morning. Patrick Henry Hughes and Patrick John Hughes, great inspiration for all of us. Have a good day. We're going to take a short break. Lauren Beller, Catherine Zox, we will be back in a minute. Don't go away. Talking about what you care about. News, relationships, health, finances. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. Do you know who your kids are talking to on the Internet? Every day, children are sexually solicited online. Help delete online predators. Call 1-800-THE-LOST or visit CyberTipline.com. A message from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and the Ad Council. Experts say everybody is addicted to something. Did you know that addiction affects about 15% of our country's middle class population? How many people do you know who are dependent on some kind of substance? Would you guess your friends, your neighbors? How about your family? You may be surprised. Many of us live with chronic pain, which has made us drug dependent, prescription drug dependent. Others struggle with alcohol, methamphetamine, and cocaine addiction. Do you have a chronic pain problem? There is another way out. Tune in each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for a new prescription for health with Dr. Richard Gracer on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Great guests, great stories, great listening. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. This is our last day, Lauren Beller and I. On Voice America Women's Network, we are going to Voice America on Wednesday. That's next week. It is the 19th, I believe, isn't it, Lauren, the 19th? It is, next yeah. Wednesday. 
next Wednesday. Tana, don't forget because it's going to be a day before. I don't want to frantically. Uh, I won't forget. It's in my calendar. <laughs> good, good. Uh, amazing, amazing young man. Oh just, my goodness. Yeah, I mean it's just amazing. I just uh, it makes me cry, and he's just a great kid. I say kid. He's a young man. He's not a kid. Uh, but uh, very, very talented. I am potential. Eight lessons: living, loving, and reaching your dreams. I think it's amazing how someone like that is born into this world and creates books and their message of that with that kind of power behind it. And someone that's born with every faculty that, that every normal faculty for themselves is struggles. It's a struggle, but you know, uh, when I read a book like his, those are the kinds of things that inspire me. I don't know about oh, you, but I really find those autobiographical books like that, people of over, you know, individuals having overcome, you know, extreme odds. It's always uplifting for me. Hugely yeah, uplifting. It really makes a difference. I mean, writing those books makes a difference in people's lives. It does for me. It's, it's amazing to me that people like him are born and have such a mission in the world and have such impact in the world, and I love that. But also, you know what it says, too, and I'm thinking about as a parent, uh, the you know, parents, too, you have to have, like, when you have a parent who opens up to you, you know, like, he explains, you know, he put the, his baby, he put the baby, he put Patrick Henry on the piano, and he realized he gave them the opportunity. You also have to give the children the opportunity to do that. You know, you might have a child, you know, this is a baby who, who has, you know, a toddler who has the ability to play the piano, but if he doesn't have the opportunity, he may not do it at all, or he might do it later, and it might be better to do it sooner. So as a parent, you've got to think about that. You really do want to make sure you're available. Did you ever see My Left Foot? Yes. Daniel Day-Lewis? Yeah. That, was a, that came out a long time ago. It came out a long time ago, but it's a, it's a movie. That's to, it's a very classic. Very moving, absolutely. And it's, it's all about his mom. In this case, it's his mom, but her ability, you know, and he was like, what was it? I can't. He, I, know, I forget about his disability. But he was uh, he was in a wheelchair. This and in rural, uh, in Ireland, and um, he had and, and was not able to. Did he? I think he was paralyzed. Uh, but he or he, he couldn't speak because he had difficulty speaking. But he was brilliant, I, and that was you know the theme. But it was his mom who would not give up on him. You know because if you couldn't talk, they assumed that you that you were dumb, and it was. She sometimes you know, somehow knew instinctually that it was it wasn't that way. Yeah, exactly. She knew instinct. She went by her instincts, and she wouldn't give up. And she, you know, and, and I just—it was the same. You know, it's a different story, but um, it's a different story, but a similar inspiration. Theme. Yeah. yeah. So, as a parent, it's just real, real important to, uh, you know, to take on. It's a real responsibility, and you can do just really good stuff, or you cannot. I mean, that's that. You know, so I think that's really important. But you got to be there. Such a great story. I was so inspired. And then I was hopped on his website to check it out. He's got a lot of information on there. Yeah, you can go to the website. That's what I wanted yeah, to do. Yeah, I highly yeah. recommend people check it out. Yeah, he's on lots of websites. But uh, And you can, um, if, if you want to see them, you can check on the website. There's the interview with Meredith Vieira. I mean, you can YouTube. Wonderful YouTube. I love YouTube. <laughs> I love YouTube. I'm, now I'm becoming also. a YouTube addict. Everything everything that I read about, now I want to see it on YouTube. Do you find yourself on I do. I actually go to YouTube to find things like people will tell me a story and I'll go to the web to find it or you know, because I missed it on the news. It's nice because you don't feel like I don't feel like I have to be so glued to news. I can say, Oh, I heard about that segment and I can jump on and go find just that seg, you know. 
Yeah, so you don't have to be stuck watching something for a half an hour, an exactly. hour. Exactly. And it's in your own time, which is really and I, great. And I'm finding more people in the 40 to 60 category, baby boomers, are doing that more and more. I mean, kids have always been doing it. That's how they grew up, right? But, I'm, you know, in just even in terms of business, people I've been talking to over the past couple of weeks, they're doing that now. They're going to the net. They're watching the news on the net, watching television shows, movies, everything. It, there's a shift. I think that is true. I, and I think that, um, actually, to go back to our old political topic. <laughs> You're not going to let us not do that, are you? I think that Barack Obama, I say this every time, I've been speaking, you know, every week, I, not every week, but the past two weeks I've been speaking, and I said it yesterday or whatever day, Tuesday, I was out speaking up in North Dallas, and I said, you know, I believe that Barack Obama modeled for us how to use the Internet to connect with people. I just think that he did such a great job, and I think that the Internet, we're not using it to its fullest potential. And as you say, we're just beginning. Like, we're be just beginning to scratch the surface of what's possible with integrating real life with the Internet. Not that the Internet's not real life, but, you know, our old life as we knew it, as we used to live it and know it. Now it's, if you start to sprinkle in the power of the Internet, it's just amazing. Lauren, integration, that's what you just said, and that is so true. Integrating it, not just for getting information. I think initially, you know, there's kind of an evolution. Like first we use the internet and I'll speak for the baby boomers because I don't not so sure this is true of of the uh Gen X or the uh, Gen Y, but um using it for as an information piece. You go on like you would use the li- you don't go to the library anymore or you get you go you go on the net and you find out and you get information and you communicate back and forth. Kind of like basic ways of using the internet. But now like you said, integrating it into our lives, it's very different. Like fundraising. I sit on a couple boards and they're trying to raise monies and there are a lot of people on these boards who are a lot older than, you know, like say they tend to be like in their seventh late sixties and seventies and haven't really caught on how you can use the internet to raise money, not just having them one, you know, a page that says donate now. <laughs> no one's going to donate. No one's going to donate, yeah. But Barack Obama showed us how to do that so he that did. you couldn't wait to it's, send your money in. He did such a great job with it. It's, and it's interesting. My mother got her hair cut. Now she lives 1,900 miles away from me. She got her hair cut yesterday. So she had, she was, she had her cell phone on her and she took a cell phone photo, uh, MMS, I don't even know what that means. She sent it over in an MMS message to me. I got to see her hair real time. <laughs> it's the best. My son got a new apartment. This was last summer in uh, in Chicago. And uh, my other two sons, the rest of the family was in one place. He was in Chicago, new apartment. And we, online, we look, you know, he's got the, uh, um, what do you call the, uh, I computer that has the uh, the, the video the podcast, on it. Podcast, yep. yeah. The and webcam. We, yeah, did a whole tour of the uh, the webcam. Did yeah, a whole tour so yeah, of, on the apartment. It's, Fantastic. It's so it's so much easier than ever before to stay in touch with the world. You know, people outside of your immediate surroundings. I got one other thing. Somebody, uh, one of my kids taught me. Maybe you know how to do this. But do you get Gmail? I don't use Gmail. Well, in Gmail, they you can like let's say you are working on a project, you're writing something. And you want me to edit it? Did you know about this? No, tell me. Okay, so you're writing it. You want me? You go to Gmail, and then you can take the document, and you can either send it to me so that so that I'm on exactly as if I'm looking as if I am with you in the same room, but it's on my computer, and I can edit as you write, or uh, I can edit it. Or you really? Can edit it. Yes. Or you can have it do it in such a way that all I, I 
that's called a contributor, I think. Or you can do it in such a way that I can, I'm just looking at what you're doing. But you don't have to go back and forth with all this email stuff. So you go to Gmail and look up how you can. That's amazing. Sharing documents, yeah. So you, like we're working on a project together, whatever it happens to and be. And we both can be looking at it and editing at the same time. Exactly. Wow. And there's more stuff, too. But, I mean, that was one of them. So that's very cool. I've already used that. You know, I think part of our – I know we only have a few minutes left. I do think this big shakeout economically is going to cause us or force us in some ways to really start working more more collaboratively remotely. And I think that people are going to get real creative on how to make money and how to support other people remotely. And you can use the computer, like just like you just said, to – to function and really make money on the Internet. And you can lock yourself in your room and never have to see anyone ever. So any of you guys that are out there who are recluses, this is for you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you I can say. make money, you can connect, you can do whatever you want, and you never have to open your door. Anyway, next week, Wednesday, Catherine Zox, Lauren Beller-Blake, Wednesday the 19th, 10 o'clock, Voice America, folks. Tune in, 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific. And we have to say goodbye. Have a great week, Lauren. You have a great week also. I'll talk to you Wednesday. All right. Thanks. Have a great week, everybody else. Hope you enjoyed yourself. We did. We'll see you next week. Thanks. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversation with Catherine Zox.